Hello, uh, my name is Mana, and uh, we are the first episode of Science Fiction Diction. This is my co-host, Kat. Hello! And we are, uh, our goal is to do science fiction books, media in general, and kind of do a review slash just our general thoughts on uh, many of these books or movies or games that just don't come into the general knowledge very often. Um, like I said, this is our- We're here to talk science. Yes, we're here to talk science, and this is our first go at this podcast, so, um, we'll make things better as it goes along. Uh, our first book today will be, uh, a book by John Scalzi named Old Man's War. It is his debut novel from 2005, winning a 2006 Hugo Award, and, um, I thought it was pretty decent. What about you, Kat? Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. It seemed to be more targeted towards more uh, military-esque audiences and space opera kind of things. So if that's your jam, you probably will enjoy the heck out of this book. Yeah. um, And being a military science fiction, which is a very common science fiction genre, um, it's, I think it stands out from any ones I've read. Um, I agree. It, it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't go too much into the whole uh, military aspect. There's military aspects in it. It's just not like so, something like um, Starship Troopers, where it mm-hmm. is like you have almost have to be well educated in you know normal U.S. military operations to fully understand it or to fully appreciate the book. Now, this book can be read by anyone, especially me, who's had no desire to be in the military whatsoever. Uh, you know, spaghetti arms. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just... Uh, I, I I appreciate what it was going for. Uh, it, it's... It's generally decent. Uh, for a synopsis... Do you want to deal with the synopsis, Kat, or do you want me to read it? I oh are we actually reading it? Yeah, we we can cool. read it. we can read it or add limit based on what we know. I'm gonna totally add limit. Okay. So we have this lovely guy that's a 75 year old uh, retired advertising writer homie named John Perry, and essentially he uh, lives in a world where there is a colonial defense force which is outside of Earth. Earth is kind of its own separate thing. Colonial Defense Forces is outside of that. Um, They are accepting in the U.S. um, people over, I think it's 65 or something like that, that um, essentially at that point you can then join the army. And there's rumors that if you do so, you'll get a new body or you'll be young and happy and they'll reverse your age and you can live a long happy life and after you finish your serving term then you are free to kind of go off with your fun new body and do new body stuff um it starts with him visiting his deceased wife's grave her name's kathy and they had talked about potentially joining the military um years before but hadn't actually like done it as life got in the way um and so in the first chapter he joins and starts kind of his uh, 
adventure, meeting new people, and finding out what the colonial defense forces really are and are like, and like what the heck the new, like making you younger thing is about. Yes, that is a huge part. Do you have anything to add? Uh, no, you you summed it up pretty good. Uh, Sick. That that is a huge part of the book, though the whole, uh, or at least the first half of the book, the whole making you mm-hmm. younger. Um, something I really do like about what they did with the book, at least in that first half, was the exploration of the people aboard. Because these are all, like, older people with experiences. And for the most part, they make you feel uh, like these people are actually experienced in life. Minus a couple characters. Yeah. And Kat will get into that later. <laughs> um, I... I personally thought that, uh, especially in the beginning of the book, uh, they meet like a little squad of people who are all uh, in different walks of life. And one of them is like a physicist, a physics teacher, a high school physics teacher, who uh, explains a lot of the technology that they come across in the first half of the book as best as he can. Of course, they leave some blanks because you have to. Uh, for far out science fiction like this, you need. A little mm-hmm. bit leeway, at least in my opinion. Suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Yay! Suspension of disbelief, exactly. Um, I like, you know, how they explain, because there's this very early in the book called the Beanstalk. It's basically an orbital elevator that shouldn't work by, uh, by conventional physics. And they explain how it should work and why it's not working and why they're confused on how they have this. And then all this interesting stuff about how the CDF, the Colonial Defense Force, works and operates uh, in a lot of secrecy past Earth mm-hmm. because of the communication delays and all that fun stuff. It, it, it's it's fun to read. It really is. It is. Um, now it's. I'm gonna add in here really quick. Okay. I also it's written in the first person, which is typically not something that's well done with a lot of authors and I think this author does a very good job with it um but you can the only flip side with that is when you have this physicist character like explaining the stuff you can kind of see between the lines with what's going on so just touching on that it's the author does a really good job you can see kind of the points where he is more so world building explaining with that so I think that's well done but it's kind of like you can see a little behind the veil, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, like it's- so yay, but like that was only it was only in a couple spots with that too. Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, especially with uh, like like you said the the trying to foreshadow the whole beanstalk thing. They uh, yeah they they kind of dropped the ball on making that kind of suspenseful. Um. Oh yeah, but I think I think that's fine. Uh, no. It was. It was what? Um. It was. It was fine. I'm gonna kind of redirect into like synopsis. Uh. Let's briefly touch over like what we think of like tech levels and explanation of tech. I know we started just getting into that, but like let's brush over it and then go into more detail later, so that way we can have spoilers at a separate point. Okay. And then like touch on aliens and that kind of fun stuff. And then go to fun spoiler stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, as she mentioned, this is a universe in which aliens are 
have been found and are recognized and kind of like universally accepted. This isn't like, oh no, aliens, mm -hmm. big spooky first contact stuff. No, this first contact happened a long time ago in these books and um, it has an interesting premise that we'll get into in the spoiler talk with uh, how the aliens and the humans get along together, which is another big part of the book, which is actually pretty... Um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fucking cool, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the technology level uh, on Earth, it's basically... It hasn't grown much since the 21st century. We're, we're saying, like, mm -hmm. it, it probably... I'd probably put it, like, 10, 15 years from now. Still ground cars. Yeah. There's no, like, flying cars or anything. Um, mm -hmm. There's still, like, you have to go to a building to register and paper stuff. It, it, there's nothing too interesting yeah. happening on the Earth front, which is good, because the Earth only takes up the first chapter. You know? Yeah. Th then they leave. Uh, they do mention um, wars and stuff that had happened uh, since... I, I actually forgot. Did they ever say that uh, the direct exact date that they're on? Or I don't remember, honestly. I don't remember if they mentioned uh, an actual like star date or date in general. But it, it, yeah. it's definitely a couple years ahead of where we are now. Even though it yeah. came out in 2005, you know, it's 2021 now. It, it, I wager. 2040s 2050s maybe but basically some wars happened and uh there's also it's touched on i don't think it's ever fully fleshed out the whole racial discrimination thing they were touching on in the beginning too uh i don't think it's fully fleshed out it is definitely like they discuss it a little bit but they don't really like lay all the cards on the table which would be interesting because there are other books in there Yes, this is a six book series, and from the Wikipedia page, there's also a couple like short stories in between a few of the books. Um, Fancy. We might not go into the second and uh, ones beyond together. I might do like a solo episode on them one time or something. We'll see mm -hmm. how we'll, we'll see how this whole thing plays out. We already have the next book chosen. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, let's. Uh, you said you want to get into more technology stuff, or did you want to run into? Uh, let's talk aliens, just real short. All right. The aliens, as we mentioned, are cool. They have a good diversity of different kinds of aliens, and like, it, there, there's a variety. Yeah, and it's fun, and it's they're not all predisposed towards either yay humans or like screw humans or like being out there and being benevolent or anything so it's there's a really good mix of aliens yeah and they're and like they're not like green space elves or you know no it's so nice they're not your little martian men yeah it, um it's interesting uh there's four main ones that you can pick out that are explained a lot more in depth and then there's a handful of other ones they do like a throwaway line here or a line here about um mm -hmm. they are all very interesting and diverse some of them are more uh obviously references to uh other science fiction things uh mainly mm -hmm. i believe a mix of like graboids and starship troopers and gulligan's island <laughs> the obvious ones um but a lot of the a, a lot of the aliens are 
physically different and then uh culturally, culturally they yeah. have pretty fleshed out uh or at least they explain how fleshed out they are of how it works so there's that mm-hmm. um let's see oh i'm down to move more into right, let's do a rough rating real quick if you had to kind of rate it and or give your thoughts on it overall what was your takeaway from it okay um do you want to do it out of like a, out of a five scale out of a ten scale let's do out of a 10 and this is just your personal rating okay uh i put it at like a, a seven out of ten um mm-hmm. my personal opinion is i don't think it's like the greatest science fiction ever written uh it's definitely worth your time to read over uh now i'm not a person that rereads books a lot uh mine is dune um but we make exceptions for the godfather <laughs> um but yeah Fair. Uh, i don't reread books a lot i like to go on to new stuff all the time um mm-hmm. i don't see myself or anyone for that matter actually going back and rereading these more than once uh unless you really really fancy uh all the themes and stuff that happen in this book um mm-hmm. so honestly i'd say definitely give it a once over go through and read it and uh, possibly move on to the other books. This isn't like a killer, like where you read the first one and you're just like, yep, nope, don't want to do it. Um, yeah. So I'd rate a full seven out of ten. I'd rate that people who love military science fiction, um, but don't want to deal too hardcore military science fiction, will definitely like this. Uh, mm-hmm. A beginner into science fiction might even enjoy this. I can see that. Yeah. yeah, I could see this as a good beginner science fiction. Um, yeah. And a good takeaway would be it's diverse alien cast and interesting interesting takes on a lot of things you might not think about when you think about aliens and uh the expansion of humankind into the cosmos. Uh so yeah. Mm-hmm. Great 7 out of 10. How about you, Ket? I give it a solid six out of ten for reasons I will be discussing in the spoiler section more in detail. Um, essentially, I totally agree. There was a really awesome uh, alien cast. The tech levels were uh, believable and worked decently with the story. All that good stuff. They kind of went in depth on certain things that really made it like, oh, cool! If this and this, and then you have the suspension of this. Wow, have the suspension. I cannot talk the suspension of disbelief yeah. enough to to another conclusion and be like, oh, so if this and this, then this kind of a thing. And they set that up really well, which a lot of science fiction worlds don't do. So yay for that. Um, I felt like the story overall, like the beginning of it flowed pretty well. I felt like towards the end when they skip a few different like time jumps, I felt like that got a little bit more choppy and that kind of lost my interest a little bit but I was still there and was committed to the book um so it's that my main issue with it was it felt like there was a few token characters and or just kind of brushing over characters that I felt like should have had a lot which to be fair there might be other short stories and or books that touched on them but 
because of those lack of follow-up with those characters, I personally don't know if I would go on to read the other books just because it kind of felt like, all right, this doesn't sound like it's something I would enjoy reading. But um, I again, like you said, I would recommend it to military people or people who enjoy military science fiction. I agree that it would be a really good beginner book with science fiction, especially with somebody who has more of a, oh, cool, I want to see a more military side of things background. I really enjoyed the old people in space bits. That was fantastic. I'm here for that. And I think the whole idea of like, let's make an army out of old people is really fun. And that's definitely what spiked my interest with this book. And they have a really rich history with some of the characters. Um, I just wish it was more so with the rest of the other ones that were very much so brushed over, um, which again, other books, but we'll see. So I would definitely recommend it, but I also would go through and reread it for funsies. You know, I agree with a lot of that. And you actually brought up a point uh, that I'm going to touch on real quick before we move to the spoiler section mm -hmm. about the ending of the book getting choppier. Uh, you're, you're, you're right. There was a several segments in this novel where I got lost a couple times in the audio presentation. Um, mm -hmm. And I had to either rewind it a little bit or keep reading to kind of piece together what I had missed. Um, yeah. Mind you, I was reading this while I was working, or listening to this, rather, while I was working, and I may have just not paid attention at that particular point mm -hmm. when they mentioned something. But there were parts where it threw me off and that towards the end, uh, their time skippiness did kind of pop off. It, it it was mostly when they were skipping between the random planets. It felt like, yeah, it it just it just didn't feel linear as the first half of the book did. It was kind of jarring. Uh, and it, yeah, I agree. Yes, the old people in space was actually the whole reason I <laughs> I picked up this book because it seemed, you know, like arthritis in space. You know, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a fun idea, and I think the author did a good job with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's all I had to add. Um, so yeah, a solid, uh, pretty solid rating between both of us. And yeah. now we move into spoilers. So if you have, Woo! if you want to read the book and come back, you can, or you can just read along and then piece together your thoughts while you're reading the book, however you want to do it. But this is your warning if you're not a fan of spoilers. And uh, here we go. Where do you want to start, Kat? Let's talk. Let's talk aliens first because aliens are cool. Like, let's be real. All right. Um, start with let's let's focus on the main four, and uh, even then, like, let's not crazy go in super detail, but like what you liked about them or didn't like about them or cool parts about them that you enjoyed. Yes. Uh, I actually uh, I'm gonna start with the broad the broad theme of the aliens that is what I really liked was yeah. They mentioned uh, there's a whole part where they go to the boot camp and they have the classic full metal jacket boot camp uh, guy, which is actually fucking hilarious <laughs> in its own right. Uh, but he it is. he explains how dangerous the galaxy is, and that the main reason we're constantly at war with all these alien races is because uh, we are fighting for resources. This is like 
kind of like a how, how like planet a planetary uh, ecology uh, food chain webs. You're always fighting for limited resources, and in this in this case, it's fighting for the limited uh, the limited land and places mm-hmm. you have where uh, it turns out a lot of alien races require the same type of uh, at least in this book require the same type of atmosphere and living conditions that we do so we end up mm-hmm. having to fight them a lot for the planets that are habitable in the galaxy because if we don't kill them they're going to take us and um I just, I, I don't know why I never thought of it that way. You know, you always see alien species at war, but they usually never give you a real reason why they're at war. They're just like, they hate us because we're humans, or they're like robots that think all biological life is degenerate and needs to die, you know? Yeah, um, I don't know. I read Card's books, so they're kind of like the same line of this, of you're competing with resources. Did Orson Scott Card do that too? I read Ender's Game yeah. way back in like middle school, so it's been a long There's time. There's a whole other series, but not even touching on that. Alright, alright. But yeah. Yeah, so um, I'll also touch on the Kansu, and I'll or, or would, yeah. you, would you like to do the Kansu and I can do the Kovandu, or how do you feel? Okay, I'll do the Kansu because I liked them. Okay. Um, Essentially, the Kansu are really technologically advanced and really religious, and you kind of get some hints along the way of like, okay, cool. The main character is very much like, yeah, this seems to be something more. Like, what's happening? They seem to be kind of trying to initiate us somehow. And it's like you find out, okay, cool. They're trying to, like, make us better by going to war with us but they continuously seem to handicap themselves based off of what species they're fighting so i thought that was pretty cool because i haven't personally seen that done before um so it's pretty chill um they don't really seem to be threatened by humans so they're kind of just like cool let's have fun slash make these species better by trying to fight them and so i thought that was pretty sick there's a really awesome like duel scene uh later on in the series where it's like five of their criminals essentially um or they'll ask they're gonna answer whatever question questions or whatnot are brought to them based off of how many of the super special awesome people that the humans bring or humans in loose quotes because it's we're in the spoiler section. Who knows if they are human? Um, if our main character's species uh, brings the people in and they essentially duel like the same number of criminals from the alien species, from the Kansu. And if they win, then they get to answer a question or they get to ask a question and the Kansu have to answer it. And if they lose, then, you know, it's a battle to the death and they die and don't get to ask that question. Um, so I thought that was really fun and cool. Um, and they've got some interesting battle techniques, but mostly they're just really weird and I like them. Uh, I'll throw a couple yeah. additives into there. Um, it's like an honor bound, uh, culture. Uh, oh yeah. Huh? Yeah. And it's very much kind of like a Valhalla <laughs> thing. They're, uh, they're, they're fighting to for kind of redemption. for redemption to kind of bathe 
uh, the lesser races to gain until they get to their level. Um, and it's stated multiple times that even with this whole section that we're talking about, where they go to ask these questions of the Kansu, they erect like the space dome that oh, yeah. they go into, and then they throw the dome into a black hole because they don't want the contaminants of like the lesser species that touch them. Like it, it is seen as greatly disgraceful to have us, the lower beings, be on their soil or touching their people. That's why they send their criminals uh, to do these little, like, you kill them, uh, you get to answer a question thing. And also, yeah. I would like to highlight a little thing that she said about the people being sent the main character not being human or if they're human or not. Keep that pinned in your mind because we will come back to that. And, yeah! And with that, I'm going to talk about the Kovandu, another section, another alien race in the book that is uh, very interesting. They're like one inch tall human beings, basically. Uh, they are very much like an art, poetry, drama, kind of like the artistic race. Um, they rely a lot on like the military side, they rely a lot on like large vehicles and tanks because they're the only things that can really affect human beings and other beings because we're so much larger than them. Uh, and particularly this race is my favorite in the book because this is further in the book and this is when the main character finally has the breakdown and realizes he's killing beings um, with consciousness. He realizes he's having that breakdown that he's killing people or killing creatures that know that they're, you know, beings. Um, and he's doing so by stomping on them cause, and killing them by, like, kicking, stomping, and squishing because they're just so small, you know, you really can't do too much else. Uh, and he had his breakdown while throwing, like, they're li literally throwing their buildings because they're so small and stuff. Uh, it, it, it was wild, it was interesting, and then the going into death with the character, kind of losing his mind at that moment. Um, what was a nice touch. It's very much like war movie PTSD finally kicking in kind of like inner character monologue that helped. And the audio presentation of it uh, I very much enjoyed because he didn't monotone yeah. it. He, I believe the voice actor for the particular Audible presentation that we listened to. Audible, please sponsor us. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> for real? But uh, the particular Audible presentation that we're watching or listening uh, he acted out the voice as if he was crying, as if he was sad. And I always like when the audible presentations do that. Uh, side note for that, we usually listen to audiobooks. We're both pretty hardcore ADHD cases, and it's hard to read uh, in a good span of time because we keep having to reread things, and it gets frustrating. But back to the book on that. Um, I, I like to, you know, I like to, like I said, I like to Kovandu. I like that specific part, and uh, they are, according to the wiki page that I'm keeping my tabs on, uh, they're they're aggressive in colonizing planets just like humans, but humans typically kind of just swamp them out because of their size. And that's what I liked about them. Are you ready to go on to the next one, Kat? Yeah. 
So essentially, the next, oh Jesus, how do I pronounce this? I don't even remember. Ray? Rary? Rary, Rary. For context, the spelling is capital R R A E Y. Um, you make you make do of that. I think we're gonna stick with uh, Ray. 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 We're gonna say Ray. Ray. Um. Uh. Essentially, they are a species that is way less advanced than the CDF is, and they uh want to eat humans because humans are snacks. Um, apparently they have um, celebrity chefs showing how to best butcher people. Yay! I would want to be on, I want to I see Gordon Ramsay rape their cooking shows. Um, but essentially they become more of a serious problem after they require the ability or require the technology, excuse me, from the Kansu, the first race we talked about, to uh, predict where the faster than light technology in this series is going to put the ships. And so essentially they can like see where the people are coming out of hyperspace or what have you. And um, basically be like, yeah, we're gonna put rockets over there. And it causes a really big issue. And that's one of the larger battles in the book, but it's, Essentially, that is also one of the reasons why they, uh, the main character later needs to go and do the honor battles with the Kansu's homies to ask questions and all that good stuff. But they have really like muscular bird-like legs, but they don't go crazy into descriptions with what um, they would really look like. So I like, I really enjoy that they kind of give vagities. They don't spend too much time talking like, the alien looks like this. And you're like, cool. Please, I have yeah. a completely different image kind of a thing. And it's just, it's it's fun when you drop hints because it feels like it's a more real thing to me, at least. Uh, so yay for that. Um, but yeah, like I said, they are behind the CDF in technology, but they still have a decent amount. Like it's, it's pretty close. It's just when the concept give them the... Um, technology they become a big issue but i just i just like their celebrity chefs they just want to cook some good good tacos it's taco tuesday and they want some thumbs in there <laughs> all right um you good you good on the uh yeah i'm I'm good on, i'm good on the the cookie boys yes okay so uh last that we'll cover is the uh ydn yeah ydn um, yeah. As uh, Kat was mentioning, uh, they don't go into much detail about the description of these aliens, which leaves a lot to the imagination, which is nice when you have a book. Uh, I, I think I think that leaving to the imagination is used a lot in fantasy. Um, but I like it. Basically, the exact quote here uh, from Wikipedia, like I said, I'm using it to kind of uh, keep my thoughts together. Um, is a cross between a black bear and a large flying squirrel. So these aren't humanoid at all. Um, and uh, they're, they're another artistic species and another species that's way behind the CDF. Uh, and this particular part in the book, a politician from Earth that was well-known had come and joined the military and joined the main character's unit. And he was trying desperately to create a peace by diplomatic means, 
not knowing the alien's um, specialized language. Uh, they all have translators in their head. We'll get into that later. But for the most part, they know what these aliens are saying. But they came to a part where m most of the civilians had these weird staff-like things, and they were chanting uh, in some dialect that the piece of technology couldn't auto-translate. So they, the uh, politician thought, hey, you know, they're, they're doing for peace. I'll be the ambassador for humankind. And he ran into this coliseum and proceeded to get uh, shot to shit um, by, like, these needle blaster things that they had. And basically ended a whole, like, insubordination arc thing they had going for about a chapter or two. Um, and, uh, kind of like, uh, I don't, do you remember if they wiped this one out completely? I don't remember, no. I don't remember if they wiped this one out completely, or if, uh, th yeah, no, they didn't wipe it out completely, they were just trying to take out the spaceports and everything and put them down, and only kill things that cause resistance. So after, hold on a second, <clears throat> excuse me. Bless you. Um, thank you. Uh, but after the... After the whole, like, shooting their person, they had to kill everyone in the stadium, which were civilians. Um, and uh, that one was a very small part of the book, but all the other ones, all the other alien races that they had in here, uh, including a thing like a, a living slime, um, some weird, like, bat pterodactyl things, like I mentioned, some, like, Starship Trooper bug creatures, they're all mentioned in passing, um, but we're not going to get too much into them. Uh, would you like to roll into technology now? Yeah, I'm going to kind of skim over some of them because it's themes and things we've kind of seen before but aren't really a huge impact on the story. They do a good job in explaining the lovely uh, beanstalk that's a space elevator connecting between Earth and the CDF station. Uh, they do a good job ex in explaining by the same physicist teacher guy talking to the main character and their friendies and explaining why there's gravity on the station and how it works. Um, they have what they call skip drive, which is essentially their way of FTL travel. Um, it just kind of punches a hole in space and places the object into new destination, identical universe. But Essentially, it kind of plays on the parallel universe thing because there's potentially not completely the same universe. Potentially, there is room for movement in that, which it'll be interesting to see like what the author does with that in future books because it felt like he was foreshadowing to something, but it didn't feel like he had a chance to really show that in this book. Honestly, I hope um, so. Same. Um, but most races have... Um, accessibility to the skip drive and specifically like the Kansu have a more complex understanding of it. Um, but it's it's essentially supposed to be you don't know where the heck exactly somebody's skip drive is going to land them unless you're driving it potentially. They don't go too much into detail with that. Um, let's see. There are brain pals, which are essentially a neural implant that allows the CDF to send and receive data. It's kind of your standard, like, 
um, computer-esque interface with your brain where you can send messages, including speech, send feelings, send your, your kind of your standard sci-fi brain computery thing, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and then let's see, they have the more important things that come into play um, are the modded bodies and consciousness transfer, which is how they, quote, make you young again, kind of a thing. And that's a more important part of the story than the other ones. And essentially what they do is they collect your uh, body data when you're uh, 65 and can initially join the CDF and then create a modded out body that's mixed with other alien species um, data, DNA, etc., and like kind of spliced together with human stuff. And then they don't really say if there's cool, super metal bones or anything like that, but it kind of like alludes that there could be more than just alien DNA and such in the body. Um, but essentially they create another body for you and then they have you do a bunch of tests that seem really stupid to the main characters, but it's kind of like, oh, cool. This is how we're making sure we're on the same wavelength with your consciousness, et cetera, et cetera. And then they like mind transfer you from your old ass body into your new body. And you're like, whoa, I'm a new person and I'm green so I can photosynthesize, which was really relatable and great. Um, but yeah. They do that. Mana, do you want to take on the fun guns and nanotech stuff and or add anything to the modded bodies before we go on? Yes, I'll add to a couple things. Um, go for it, yeah. I'll start with skip drive. Uh, okay. Skip drive, <laughs> uh, very much. Skip drive right over that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the skip drive in itself, uh, like she said, moved you from one universe to another uh they very much touch on the like um the universe that they plop into and only have a couple molecules different from the universe that they came from so everything's typically the same um but they mention that you can never truly go back to the universe that you were born in unless it's ex mm -hmm. like almost absolutely improbable to the point where they won't even consider it uh, Brain Pal is my absolute favorite thing in this book, by far. <laughs> God, I hated it. <laughs> and it was specifically because they allowed all the people to name the Brain Pal, and the main character's <laughs> Brain Pal is named Asshole, which is honestly my most amusing part of the whole damn book. Was he had it was to, really fucking good. Yeah, he had to refer to his AI computer and his brain as Asshole, and it's very much like a like a Siri Bixby thing, um, which was fun. And then the brain pal itself will, you don't have to do audio commands after a while. It'll be like, you can open it mentally. Um, and then we'll go into the, uh, I'll touch on the modified bodies. Uh, like she said, it was green uh, because they can photosynthesize. Uh, they do mention that there is cat DNA in it because their eyes are very much cat-like. Um, they mention also when I get into the nanotechnology part that there's more internally going on that helps keep uh, keep these bodies in uh, good shape. They also mention that these bodies are owned by 
the CDF and you technically don't own your own body, which is an interesting thing that they touch on a little bit, but not too much. Um, The MP35, which is their shiny magic sci-fi gun, um, connects to your brain cell and your DNA, so only like you and your squad can shoot the gun, uh, just in case you go down, your squad mate can get it. And the ammo that they use can maybe, well, in the gun, manufactures itself into several different ammo types. Kind of like when you play one of those, like, arcade shoot 'em games, uh, and you can switch between the ammo, but you still have the same little gun controller. Uh, it's very much like that. They say, like, uh, if you have, like, ten bullets or something, two of the, one of them will be used for normal, like, lead bullets. You can use five of them for, like, shooting a laser beam for a certain amount of time. And then it's, like, uh, you can shoot, like, incendiary grenades and then explosives as well. And they have the different ratios of how the ammo uh, makes itself in the gun. They mentioned the gun's pretty pretty well-balanced, but the ammo itself is extremely heavy. But I don't think they mentioned what the ammo is actually made out of. Um, obviously, it's another one of those suspension of disbelief things, but it is pretty cool to think about having, you know, a magic shiny gun that can switch ammos on you anytime you want. Um, and then the yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, the fun nanotechnology uh, hullabaloo here. Um, basically, use the nanotechnology so that when you bleed out, it'll uh, they have gray blood because the gray blood is basically all just nanotechnology. Uh, that takes an oxygen better. It'll clot right away after you've just taken a cut or a bullet wound, so you don't bleed out and die. Um, they very much, especially in the training segments, use the whole like how your body's different and the nanotechnology enhances your stuff uh, for complete and utter. Uh, basically, just they, they use it to its full extent, like how you can run like several kilometers in an hour how you can leap these huge bounds, how uh, basically you're you're a super soldier because of this. Yeah. And then the drill sergeant mentions that the only reason they're as super soldiers as they are is because it's the cheapest way to actually fight the wars out there because of all the different alien species that will literally kill you in instance. Um, yeah, like you can hold your breath for six minutes like it's saying here. And, uh, it'll save you from, like, kind of getting your limb cut off, as we see from the main character. There's a whole segment where he crashes on a planet and basically fucks everything up. And they have to regrow all of his limbs using this nanotechnology. And he's out of commission for a couple days. But that's basically the extent of the technology, you know, with the beanstalk and the MP35, brain battle and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like the smaller use of technology because it allows you to expand on how it works, you know. I've seen a lot of sci-fi yeah. that'll just keep throwing the sci-fi jargon at you, and it's hard to keep up, you know. So I like it when they keep it keep it low. Simple, or stupid. They, yeah. they, add a little, they, they add it, like, just a little bit at a time, you know. Yeah, I agree that it did a really good job with the balance of technology. Um, I was honestly, because the book is, like, nine hours ish listening i believe um give or take a little bit um which is a pretty like middle range book probably on the shorter side for science fiction novels 
Um, and I feel like the author did a really good job in spacing out kind of how he told about the technology and how he played it in the story. Like it wasn't overwhelming at times. It wasn't like crazy amounts of info dumps, even though there was like a tidbit of one here or there and it made sense and flowed with the story. I agree with that. A lot of it flowed really well. Um, they very much balanced the first person character of our main character and his thoughts with the cool space technology area that he was in and the overwhelming odds and surmountable scope of you know the universe as he's there Ugh. yeah and um cool beans I'm going to take this away into things that I did not super love about this book. Right, here we go. Here's Cat's rant time. Uh, I've heard this. And <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. So just hear her out. Um, there is a character called Alan. This is a short little thing. Alan is a gay character, which we love to see. Um, we would love to see more of. Alan felt more so like a token character because we didn't really get too much of his backstory. We did not get very much of a expansion on himself as a person. We kind of just see him there as a support and side character for our main character. And again, this might change in future books. I would love to see more details for this character though. Um, my main complaint is... And you, some of you may laugh at this, but like, let's be real. This is something I'm reading as a female presenting person, and I'm looking for is female representation in the book itself. Um, we have lots of female characters, but none of them are really in a crazy position of power or like in a believable way to me. Um, something that really stood out to me as a kind of why did the author include this? and kind of made me not super well dispositioned to the rest of the book is in chapter eight, um, essentially our main character, John Perry, is promoted to a platoon leader and has to give himself some squad leaders. So he, I believe it was like seven or eight squad leaders that he chose, maybe it was six, something like that, a good number, more than five. And he selects a bunch of uh, excuse me, squad leaders, and they're all male except for one woman, and her name's Sarah. And, you know, a lot of the other professions that the previous people uh, that he had now appointed as squad leaders have um, done are like CEO or businessy person that did stuff or was in command of something at some point or and stuff like that it kind of didn't stick too much what did stick was seeing that uh our girl sarah over here who was chosen as a squad leader um she was a kindergarten teacher i believe it was like some kind of smaller children teacher and um they don't really mention too much about her um they kind of keep on going and then in chapter eight, towards the end, for some reason, uh, they kind of focused on Sarah specifically, which it felt like it could have been any other of the squad leaders, but the author chose to do this with the only female squad leader, which felt a little weird. And essentially, um, he says that um, 
the squad B, which she was the leader of, was not doing super well. It kept falling behind. Um, so essentially Sarah stepped down and Sarah accepted it, quote, like Sarah accepted it with good grace. Uh, she said it was not exactly like hurting kindergartners, unfortunately. And then they say that Alan whipped the squad into shape. Um, and then in a few sentences later, they're like, oh, Sarah saved us in another situation, though, because she was one hell of a shot. Um, for context, Sarah stepped down from leadership at week six and then was one hell of a shot at week eight, which is not too much of a time for that hell of a shot thing to like it's if you already knew she was a good shot at that point if you're already that deep in training um and it just felt like they were like cool we're gonna take this female character out of a position of power without having any real reason to and then we're gonna throw you a bone of she was a good shot though because we hear nothing else about this character for the rest of the book and it's just that entire interaction felt like it could have been any other character and it felt like it was targeted specifically to a female character in a stereotypically feminine who had worked a stereotypically feminine career as a teacher so that was my big issue um i'm gonna kind of flow more into the rest of the story uh there's not a lot of really strong female characters that continue doing stuff at one point there's a other squad leader slash uh, basically the main character's commander. She ends up getting killed. Um, you don't see her very long. You see her being cool and then she dies. You see uh, Perry's pilot being cool and then she dies. Um, and even then when you say they're being cool, like you see them for a second. And um, then later on, Perry meets his essentially, uh, they had taken his deceased wife's dna that she had donated when she was 65 and then she had later gone on to die uh they take her dna and create a body for that would have been hers but they create it in a more special way and give it to somebody in kind of the special forces called like the ghost brigade and harry ends up encountering her and he's like oh my god that's my wife and she's like who the fuck are you and all this stuff but then it kind of proceeds into a weird, almost romantic relationship, which did not sit super cool with me. And it just felt really weird. And it felt like it was pandering to the fun stereotype because um, the person that is, um, God, I wrote her name, name down, may, may not I, even remembering. May I interject just for a second to explain something? Yeah, go for it. Over. Um, Another reason that this particular thing comes off as creepy is because the character was mentally, what, like four or five? Yeah, that uh, was what I was, yeah, God, what's her name, though? She, I, I don't remember her exact name, but basically, I'll find they, it. They, grew, they grew these bodies that, uh, from deceased people for the Ghost Brigade. And Sagan. Sagan, yes, uh, they grew these bodies for the Ghost Brigade, and then they don't tell them anything about their past, obviously, and then they're just kind of like their own entity like they kind of create a a new consciousness from scratch and they become their own person but she had only been alive what four years was it four or five years yeah it was like four or five years and it's just it's super creepy because you're looking at like cool you're trying to create a potentially romantic relationship 
with a being that has the mentality of a four-year-old or whatnot of her exact age. And they emphasize that of like, they have Perry talk to other uh, members of the ghost, ghost brigade. Wow. Ghost brigade and essentially be like, okay, cool. Wow. You have this world experience, but we're like this years old and wow, you have way more life experience than we do. And it's just pandering towards that grossness. And it's not fun. I don't like that. Luckily, it's not a Do you have any part of the book. Yeah, it's... Um, and I will say that it is not, like, 100% like a confirmed, over-the-top romantic relationship. It is just very creepy to me. It seems they're leading that way. Uh, but I think it also serves to just kind of say that uh, a big part of Perry's uh, whole existence, as they mentioned several times, was he missed his wife. He loves his wife. Very fair. So I believe this part in the book, um, the, what they're trying to get across is that Perry wants to have a relationship with his wife again because he misses her. He was the love of his life. And he revisits the day that she dies a lot. Um, mm-hmm. so there's that, but I do agree because they do mention that, uh, these, these beings, while they're more, cause since they're born with the brain pals, they know how to use them better and they think faster. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they mention that the fact that normal people think so slow that it frustrates them because they're so, mm-hmm. they're so fast with how they call out orders, with how they do things because they're, they just grew up with it. But they do mention like, how young these characters technically are while they do have like the vocabulary and uh kind of thought patterns of an older person they they just trail with this childish behavior because they're younger and Mm -hmm. the illusion so far to the possibility of a romantic relationship especially at the end when uh perry is invited to live on a ranch with uh, Sagan mm-hmm. uh, because she retired um, after his term is done which is uh, his term did they say 10 or 20 years I can't remember I think it was 10 years yeah he has to do 10 years the, uh, in the military mm-hmm. um, but yeah this is uh, she's right on that part being creepy as far as the uh, female characters being brushed aside I do agree um, I very much, uh, we've we discussed this before, and I very much believe that this book is catering to a male reader, yeah. which is something that she has taken into uh, account. Not every book is made for a specific demographic. 100%. Yes. Uh, but as, like she said, as a female reader reading it, it's pretty dismaying when every female character gets shafted almost immediately and i i do want to mention that teacher actually does die within like a one line of dialogue later on oh yeah huh? uh, yeah basically they just say that she got blown up in her ship um which makes Super sense they were separated by ships and um you know not every character is just going to magically meet each other but at the same time her whole complaint is but why that one you know when you have like yeah others uh so yeah i i agree with it uh there are a couple sex scenes in this book uh we were mentioning before we even started the podcast of our uh 
our disinterest in very well written sex scenes um or, or very detailed <laughs> sex scenes rather um i mean it's not terrible it's just not what i'm not what i have the book for you know i'm not a, yeah I'm not a lonely housewife with you know fernando the novel i don't really care about the sex or the intimacy alluding to it would be more of a a, a better conser- conservation of the book but i get the point they're hammering home there's a whole point when they first get their bodies because they're like you know they're like 70 80 year old uh people and you, at that point you need like a viagra or you're not very sexually active and suddenly you're in this super well-toned super young body and you see everyone's attractive they they mention the they bring out the most attractive traits in every single person that gets these uh green bodies so everyone fucks like rabbits basically yeah uh, but they have a they have a main scene with uh was it the teacher or was it it, it was what? i think it was a different character i'm not certain though i think it's the only but... the only girl to survive character actually yeah um but yeah, basically they have like this crazy sex scene, and then they mentioned there was a les- um, an alluded lesbian sex scene too earlier to that too. But uh, yeah, keep going. I just wanted to add in uh, the Sarah, the kindergarten teacher, is not part of the group that they call the old farts, I- and so yeah, she's she's not mentioned literally until that point in the book. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, old old farts group is what they call. Old farts is their name. It's very fun. It is very fun. It's kind of like the friend group when they first meet up uh, before they get their new bodies, and they meet up with a couple people and they become friends and kind of deal the whole uh, trip. What was it like a week? A week they had to live on the ship till they got to the Phoenix. Yeah, something like that. I think it was called Phoenix or whatever. It was a planet yeah. that they devoted to mostly training for. Uh, their military recruits. Yeah. Um, side note, since I mentioned it, um, planetary diversity wasn't very uh, crazy on this one. In fact, they they barely mm-hmm. touched on it. As a as a space enthusiast, you know, I love it when they go into like these weird alien scapes. Uh, but you know, it's not every book's gonna do that. Uh, that that's, yeah. that's something I I love hearing about in my personal preference. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got to add right now. Anything else on your end, Kat? Um, I thought that the, uh, the colonel dude that they were training with was cool. I, I, they had a fun thing where it was like, oh, cool. Uh, the main character, Perry, did, like, advertising, and that's, I like that they suspended explaining what he used to do until that scene it's like a decent way through the book already and it's like the um commander dude's like trying to poke and prod and like insult everybody for something they did and it's like he's just like what did you do then like he's like oh i was a advertisement advertisement dude i created ads and shit and uh he's like oh i created this one ad and the guy's like I have a tattoo of that and it made my life so much better and it's just really cute. Um very much enjoyed that. Um I, I agree. But yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that so, scene, but that, that shit was hilarious. Uh that was one of my favorites, yeah. 
but I think that's all I really have to say on this. Um, do you have anything to add before we kind of wrap this up? Sorry for a second. What's that? Okay, uh, sorry. Yeah, just uh, Brie came in mentioning some things. Uh, so oh, maybe I, cool. I, I, editing. I assume we're close to the end here. Uh, yeah, I'm good to wrap stuff up, and then we'll go from there. Sound good? Yeah. So, uh, we'll 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 wrap this up now. Uh, this has been the first episode of Science Fiction Diction, uh, featuring the book, uh, Old Man's War by John Scalzi. Um, good book. Yeah. Good book. Fun read. Not my fave, but still good. Yeah, it's a fun read. It's a good one-time read. I have a feeling we're gonna say that a lot with a lot of the books that we cover. Uh, yeah, because I'm trying to. <laughs> a big thing about the show is we're trying to steer uh, away from the super popular stuff. Like I don't want to cover a Dune or an Ender's Game, not right yeah. now. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but maybe later. Uh, but yeah, uh, that the things that, you don't necessarily hear about. Yep, that's uh, that's all for this episode, and um, we'll see Join you us next time, guys. We'll see you next time. Um, whenever we get to that, this. This particular episode has been like five months in the making because of personal, <laughs> personal problems. But uh, we'll, 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 I hope to do this on a monthly basis, but we'll see. We'll see how it all We got out. this. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening. Have a fantastic day. Bye. Bye.